2: visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
3: Hi, guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of Union Therapy Podcast. My name is Kat, and I am the host. Welcome, everybody, and welcome to people who are new. Glad you're here. Like as usual, I like to give a little disclaimer at the top of every episode that although I am a therapist and we're talking about some mental health things um, and things that you might talk about in therapy, this podcast does not serve as a replacement for mental health services or a substitute for actual therapy but it might help you get to where you need to go. It might help um, you find a therapist or find something you want to actually go to therapy for. So, um, or it might not do any of those things and you might just like this podcast, that's also fine. Anyway, now that we have that out of the way, I am pretty excited about, I feel like I say that all the time, (laughs) which I do because I am excited a lot about the episodes that I put out, but I'm specifically excited about this episode slash episodes because I had my friend Tara Booker here, and I met her, and we talk about this in the episode, so I won't go too long-winded into it, but I met her working at a treatment center years ago when I was an intern, and then I, I got a job there, and so I've known her for a really long time. I've known her for almost the entirety of my career as a therapist, and she's pretty good at what she does. She has been on the podcast before. Um, We've talked about spirituality together. We've talked about trauma in general together. We've talked about a couple things and we started talking about stuff that we could do together more and ways that she could actually help on the podcast more often because she does have one away with words when it comes to mental health and therapy in general. And also she's an expert, expert therapist. Like she's very good. And anyway, so she came over to record a couple episodes about a couple different things. And what happened, which eventually you'll hear it happen live on the on the podcast, um, I think in not this episode, but another one, is we decided that there is so much in what we're talking about, that it actually deserves to be kind of a mini series. And what we do in this episode and what we're gonna continue to do is we talk about some terms, some that just have to do with mental health and some that are actual clinical terms. We talk about them and we talk about kind of how they've been misconstrued in popular culture and what they really might mean. And it's a way for us to help kind of give you guys more language to describe the experiences that you're going through or having or seeing. So we don't use words that mean one thing for blanket statements or or experiences that actually mean something else. And so I'm really excited because there's a ton of stuff that we can talk about. And the reason that we're actually going to make this into a series is in the second episode, we were actually recording together. I felt like I was like rushing it because I wanted to get through a couple things, and I was like, wait a second, I don't really want to rush this, because rushing this is what has got us kind of in this place, in in the first place, this place where we're not really clear on what things mean, but we kind of might know enough, so we're just going to use this word, or we're going to categorize this as this, or we're not going to care that much about the real meaning of this word, because it kind of fits for this, and There's some harm being done to other people and there's some harm being done, I think, to ourselves because we don't actually know what we're experiencing. So I'm excited because this is really a series about empowering us and giving us more language and more understanding about things that we might be going through or our friends and neighbors might be going through. So all that to let you know that this is not just the beginning or the only episode I have with Tara. This is actually the beginning of um, many episodes that I am going to be having with her in the next couple of weeks slash month. So I hope you like her because she will be back and she'll be back again. And I just want to say thank you, Tara, for doing this because she does this because she loves actually being helpful, which is really nice coming from a therapist because that's Kind of our job is is to be helpful in some way. So thank you for taking the time to do this. And thank you for being just like so brilliant at what you, you do and having such good language. And just a way with explaining and expressing things that I know I can get tripped up with. Because I get a little bit anxious even on this podcast, even though it's my own, I get anxious kind of talking about certain things because I want to make sure that I'm, I'm saying what I mean um, and meaning what I say. And sometimes this stuff is just a little bit tricky and convoluted and, and very nuanced. So I hope you like this Tara, thank you for being here for, and being a part of this and get excited for more conversations like this one with Tara. If you have any questions, concerns, thoughts, feedback, you can send that to me, Catherine at unitherapypodcast.com. But for now, I hope you just dive into this episode and learn something because I know that I learned something talking to Tara this day. So here it is, my conversation with Tara Booker. All right, guys, welcome back to a new episode of You Need Therapy Podcast. I have a, uh, what do we call this? Your third time, third maybe fourth time because you've been on some couch talks. I have a repeating guest. You might be my most frequent guest.
4: I can't wait to see what I get. for.
3: (laughs) I haven't thought about that yet, but um, Tara Booker is here and she is somebody that I met. If you haven't heard the episodes with her before we met, would this be in 2014? Sounds right. Yeah. So yeah, that's six, seven, eight years ago. Mm -hmm. Okay. So she's also a licensed therapist. Your background is clinical social work, Mm -hmm. which really isn't that different we literally do the same thing many L's yeah so she's here because I want to talk about and you guys have heard me talk about this kind of stuff before but now it's nice to like be here with another therapist talking about this and getting her perspective but we're gonna have a couple conversations about some common misconceptions in the mental health world and like I've discussed before I think because we have More access to information, which is a great thing, but we have uh, more ways of getting information out, whether that's through social media or podcasts like this one, or there's more people writing books. It's just we're trying to kind of reduce the stigma that has been connected to mental health. But at the same time, because we're getting more information and it's more, I think, from my perspective, generalized and oversimplified we get a little confused, and that is, for the most part, nobody's malicious fault. It's just something that happens, and so we're going to talk about a couple different things, um, and then we're going to actually break this into two parts. So we're going to do two of the things, which might end up being like a lot of like things under the things, <laughs> and then um, we're just going to give you more information and more language that might help you more accurately. Understand or describe the things that you've been through or that you see or that your family and friends go through. Let's do it. I want the audience to be like, okay, cool. Let's, uh, yeah. That's what okay. I, I, I okay. wanted to fill in. Okay. So <laughs> the first thing we're going to talk about, which is very overarching, is the reality of what abuse is, whether that's emotional abuse or psychological abuse or spiritual abuse. I think I hear that word. And I think I use that word a lot. And, you know, sometimes I might use it in the wrong way, but I hear that word more than I've ever heard that word. I feel like it used to be something that, and not to say this doesn't still happen, but it used to be something that people didn't want to use that word. And it was like, no, that's my experience as a therapist, I think, actually. In the beginning, we would work with clients, and in my head, I'd be like, oh, wow, this person has gone through a lot of abuse. And that word was not wanted in that person's vocabulary. But now I feel like I see, not even just with my clients, it's more just in the world, every other description of not great behavior is abusive. And so I want to hear you and hear your thoughts on how you've seen it kind of like abuse, the word kind of transform in the past couple of years and then we can dive into like okay so what's abuse and then if it's not abuse what is it
4: yeah it's i mean this obviously we talked about this but it's such a delicate topic right because i think what happens with all things that we are like undereducated or are neglecting as a culture or are ignoring and not addressing like mental health has been for a long time in western society then we do an overcorrection. We like swing to the other end of the pendulum Mm -hmm. with most things, right? So it's like, whatever rights issues that were, you know, denied. It's like I'm swinging way over here to where, well, specifically, I'm going to talk about mental health. Like, we didn't talk about it. It was something that was taboo, stigmatized, a bad thing or not a real thing or all Mm -hmm. the things that people would use. And then we swing to the other side. People are like, no, it's real. I'm making a stand. And I feel that's similar. Like, abuse goes in that category where we didn't talk about abusive things. People in power – And people who were oppressed and victimized, very neglected in most populations who experience that because they're vulnerable populations. They're marginalized populations for the most part, you know, people Mm -hmm. of color, women, poor, Mm -hmm. impoverished people. So people aren't voicing those people's issues. And so it's like we swing to the other side and say everything you know this is abuse we're calling it abuse this is an issue this is a problem this is a problem that's a good way
3: of describing it and painting the picture because i was listening to i talk about this podcast all the time the man enough podcast i was listening to the it's actually i think maybe this is in like the intro to their new season or their like episode intro but they talk about how somebody the whole podcast is about like how to like equality and undefining this like very strange masculine like this is the Mm. the whatever so one of the hosts says like I think women are better and one of the other hosts says, well, no, that's still not equality. That's not really what we're fighting for. That's not really what we're working for. Mm -hmm. Going that, okay, men are now under women does not fix the problem that women feel like they're less than compared to men. And that's kind of like the same thing. It's like you're swinging this pendulum and it's like, wait a second, we needed to put that kind of in the center. We don't Mm -hmm. need to be on um, one side or the other. So where mental health was like taboo, now it's like, if you go to therapy, you just better wear a, a sign on your forehead that says, I go to therapy. Yeah. When like, you could, right? but that doesn't mean that, that you have to or right. you need to.
4: Yeah. And I, I think that is actually a natural part of change. People who get sober, for instance, right? It's like they change their whole world around. I, I can't mm-hmm. do any of these things. I live in this tight box. And then they find their way to a middle as you get better. And like I think all change has to kind of happen that way where we have to swing really hard yeah. out of something dysfunctional to kind of get it out of our system yeah. and to normalize it. And then hopefully... This is a conversation because we've been a few years in of like mental health is way more open. That we are, even as therapists, starting to see we need to come back to the middle. And so we can hopefully be a part of like, okay, yes, now we're open about it and let's put it in its right place and its right size culturally. So, okay, not the wrong way.
3: Yeah. Okay. Listen up if you've been having these conversations with me, too, about uh, when it comes to, like, recovery, specifically eating disorder recovery, because there's a lot of confusion with that right now, too, because... The anti-diet culture, all that movement, has become very, very loud. Where it's also swinging the other way, Mm -hmm. and it's confusing people who are in their own recovery process. That then, once they get in that for a while, and they're like, "Okay, wait a second. Now I don't know if I'm making decisions because I have to be anti-diet culture, or I'm making decisions because I'm listening to my body." And that's the same thing. When you're going through eating disorder recovery, you have to like take out a lot of parts of your life that somebody who is just like moving along with their life who doesn't have a disordered eating or eating disorder doesn't have to do. But once you kind of recalibrate that, then you get to come back into this middle ground. And I think that's the part that we don't talk about is that, okay, we do this extreme thing. Like think about like somebody going to treatment too, whether it's for anything, Mm -hmm. you go to treatment, you are cutting out so many things, like socially, just like, I mean, you're not going to work, like you're you're, you're not cutting with your family so many things out of your life. You aren't supposed to live that way forever. Okay. But you need a period of time where you can like clear up some things, so then you can actually reintroduce the parts that you wanna reintroduce. So I think this is the same thing of like, we're opening up this box that like, abuse is something we should talk about. Mm-hmm. Abuse is something we need to start to recognize because I think uh, for a long time, if it wasn't somebody, when it comes to physical abuse, if it wasn't, or any abuse actually, Mm -hmm. physical abuse was the only real abuse. And if somebody wasn't pushing you down a flight of stairs and giving you like broken bones, then like it's not that big of a deal, which is like feels icky (laughs) in my body to even say that. But now we've kind of opened up this box and now we need to kind of bring it back into that middle ground. Not saying that some of the things people are experiencing aren't bad or harmful, but it might not go into that category of this is abusive behavior. Sure,
4: yeah, because language does matter. I mean, it's really all we have. It's like one of our primary (laughs) methods of like living in the world, so.
3: I'm gonna be careful in the way I say this, so I want you guys to hear what I am trying to say. But language does matter, and when we categorize human beings as abusive, we can't really take that back because somebody's heard it. And so not that I am trying to like victim blame or like protect an abuser by any means, but it always brings me back to that West Elm guy. What was his name? I didn't get too deep into it, but there's this jerk guy. I don't know too much, but like, I think he was just being kind of like a, for lack of a better word douchebag to a lot of people on like dating apps and stuff like that Mm. and I'm saying this not knowing the whole story so if I'm wrong somebody please correct me but he got categorized as and he became a huge thing he was all over like different platforms as this like narcissist abuser kind of person and I read one article about it and she was like I think this guy was just like a jerk like he was not like he didn't have good intentions he xyz but now he is literally labeled as this person with a personality disorder and that's out there mm-hmm. and people Caleb did I say that was that the name I said I think it was West Elm Caleb was the story but I, I used that as an example because I think that because we have a lack of language mm-hmm. we want to be able to say and talk about our experience and speak up for ourselves and at the same time we have to be careful because it's affecting a lot of people's lives
4: yeah I think uh, yeah we could talk about this forever but yeah. I, I another frame is like if we're just beginning to really understand educate and have it as like a a broader part of cultural awareness mental health then we're like babies you know like we're in elementary school Mm -hmm. and so our language has been representative of that you know you think about the language that you learn to describe certain things when you're like a smaller child versus it grows and it expands it gets more detailed and more specific but a a child brain can't really differentiate all those things at the beginning Mm -hmm. you know it's like that was mean is what you would say when you were like very small and then you might say well you know that was selfish or yeah. that you start to get more specific yeah. and kids can do that when they get older so I just think like we are at the beginning stage of like it really being a known educational awareness sort of thing so, we, so we're, gonna now grow. we're gonna grow <laughs> we're gonna
3: grow okay so let's talk about this just in a more basic tense
0: And if you put in the code GABBY2024 on our website, you'll get an exclusive 20% off your first purchase. Witness
1: the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City
5: This doesn't have to be a exact
3: like definition, but I do want to hear from your perspective. How do you differentiate between abusive behavior? And then I don't want to like give away the other
4: words yet or something else. Sure. Sure. Well, I did some reading uh, or looked at some little notes about it because it's kind of can be an ambiguous thing to try to nail down. And I think that is part of the struggle of talking about it and why it can get kind of co-opted or misused or thrown around is because it isn't always super specific. You named things like, Physical abuse, sexual abuse, which can get hairy, but also Mm -hmm. those are categories that can feel a little bit easier to define because they're tangible. They're like behavioral, whereas spiritual, emotional, psychological are not so specific to every time someone punches you in the face. Like that's physically abusive. Right. We know that. We know it. We get it. We can like put a picture on that definition of a behavior Mm -hmm. that works pretty much every time Mm -hmm. i mean i guess unless you're boxing yeah (laughs) it's not abuse but (laughs) there's a context we get it but things like emotional psychological spiritual like they get kind of confusing but i think some of the things that might come up for me are like a an explicit explicit manipulation of power Mm -hmm. of a resource like if someone has a different kind of resource than you maybe that's literally a physical they're bigger than you they're stronger than you Mm -hmm. Um, they make more money than you they're in a cultural position that's higher than you like a male versus a woman or a boss versus an employee, Mm -hmm. a parent versus a child, those different kind of advantages or privileges or resources. And they are specifically using those kind of resources to cause harm to another person. I think that's a person. Yeah. Yeah. To cause
3: harm. Because I think about like the word manipulation and the word manipulate, like I can manipulate somebody, but am I being abusive? maybe not and yeah. i even as like a therapist there could be an argument for sometimes i have an idea of where i want to go with mm-hmm. somebody but i'm going to kind of like scaffold them there and mm-hmm. and kind of like create a process that lets them get there on their yeah. own and yeah would i be manipulating the experience sure because i have a knowledge or an ne- or expertise or something like that but in no way am i doing that in order to control the person long term right so like i'm actually trying to give them more freedom Mm -hmm. and i'm not trying to harm them i'm Mm -hmm. trying to help them Mm -hmm. so i think that where somebody's coming from is really important now if you're good at manipulating you can manipulate somebody's experience of being (laughs) manipulated so you're right right, it gets really hairy but i think it's important to look at like what is the gain of the person who is doing the manipulation i get no in my own life gain from a client getting to x point Mm -hmm. like that's that gain is for them Mm -hmm. versus if i am in a position of power in a a church leadership role and i might gain uh i've never been in this role but like i might gain a larger following that might lead to money or notoriety which might lead to more avenues for me to have a certain agenda that Mm -hmm. i want like think about politically like Um, I might be pushing a certain agenda to get certain things. And those feel very different to me.
4: Yeah. I think about words like abuse are like if we were putting it next to addiction. So people um, misuse and have unhealthy relationships with substances Mm -hmm. or with food or right. But people are very, very cautious to call those things an addiction unless they are really high-level disruptive to their lives. Hmm. So I think even abuse, you would want to look at the consequences of the abuse that's happening to you. What's happened? You know, what are the impacts on my life? Am I literally not pursuing things that Mm -hmm. are good for me or healthy for me? Am I isolated from my community, from my friends, from my family? Have I abandoned jobs and don't have my own financial kind of independence or security? Am I becoming depressed? Mm -hmm. You know, have I needed to seek mental health treatment or medication or so I think you can look at like the severity of the impact on the person who's being abused and that would really start to qualify this is abuse you know what I like that descriptor
3: because I think a lot of people don't want to classify their behaviors when it comes to substances like that as Mm -hmm. abuse at all and so they might say like oh no that's not abuse but then like wait a second, it is affecting X, Y, Z. Yeah, I just like the way that that is actually giving you more, what's the word, responsibility?
4: Yeah, that's the yeah. difference, right? And this is where, again, with all sensitivity, but we're humans, and it might feel a little bit easier to name a person as abusive instead of my relationship with a substance abusive, because then who's the culprit? Oh, my God, the This yes. other person feels like the culprit yeah instead of me and i'm the only one who can change my relationship with the substance you know like that's not a living breathing thing so it feels a lot harder to reckon with that yeah that's yeah that's a whole conversation around about responsibility responsibility
3: and we've even talked about having a conversation on here about just like being a victim and Mm -hmm. like I think that I'm not going to we're not going to go down this rabbit hole, but I have to say this because it's just on my head and I can't not. We think that we don't want to be victims. And I think depending everybody has their own experience. But there is also this large experience of we don't want to be called victims, but it actually feels nice in certain situations to play a victim role because the responsibility is then taken away from us. Mm -hmm. I say that with many grains of salt because Mm -hmm. a lot of people do become victims and they don't choose that at all. And it's actually really hard for some people to acknowledge that they've been a victim of something. But it's interesting of like what kind of victimhood do we want? I don't want to be a victim of X, Y, Z, but I will play this role of a victim all day Mm -hmm. long Mm -hmm. in my life. So that's a whole nother podcast, but it goes with responsibility. So, okay, if we're now identifying that there's more – to it mm-hmm. than just this is not good so now it's abuse or this is manipulative so now it's abuse lying that's okay. abusive right we just go S- we pocket them all in making this a wand.
4: critical remark to me that's abusive Ab- like we can't go that far in yeah. generalization yeah that's not that's not really sifting things out well enough
3: well think about like even the responsibility of a uh, um, supervisor or boss or I mean again leader there still needs to be an ability to have critical conversations Mm -hmm. or rather conversations with criticism in them we need to be able to give feedback we Mm -hmm. need to be able to express hey this was not right this is not okay and we need to be able to receive that as the people that might have a, a leader above us but a lot of times I think and maybe it is twofold it has to do with us not being properly trained on how to give feedback mm-hmm. and also trained on how to receive feedback because Absolutely. feedback a lot of times if it is like criticism of some sort which is doesn't mean it's bad it feels icky at least it does to me and if i can disregard somebody's critical feedback of me by the way that they gave it to me and say that was manipulative or abusive or whatever again, it takes a responsibility for me to actually look at my behavior and and my work. And I'm just like, oh, I get to disregard that. That's not to say that the person gave the criticism to you well. So there's other ways to say, hey, my boss might not be abusive, but maybe he was this, or maybe she was this, or maybe the way she gave me the the feedback was this. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: And so I want to kind of talk about the other ways we can talk about that. And let's say you have a Relationship, And it can be any kind of relationship, romantic, any kind of family mm-hmm. relationship, a boss. And those relationships maybe are super unhealthy. Mm-hmm. The unhealth doesn't have to equal abusive. It can mm-hmm. be other things. So I want to talk about those other things that we can kind of use yeah. to describe things.
4: Yeah. So a great word is dysfunctional or harmful. Like someone maybe said something to me that felt harmful Maybe even the boss said it in a really crappy way. You know, maybe they were abrupt and didn't offer like a little compliment sandwich sandwich on the other side of it. Or maybe they said it with some judgmental words, like the specific words that they use were like judgmental towards my character. Like, you've been really lazy about X projects. And that's not super constructive feedback because... If you were a boss, you would need to name what that means. You would want to talk about like, hey, you have not... turned x in on time this many times and if you continue to behave that way then you're not gonna be able to work here like mm-hmm. that might not feel good <laughs> to hear but also if someone calls me lazy i might say that's harmful i'm not a lazy person you know that's not who i am mm-hmm. that's an assaulting of my character mm-hmm. so again like that would be the difference between like a not healthy harmful or dysfunctional way of communicating something to someone that's that wasn't abusive way. versus abusive would be like i did turn everything in on time and my boss came to me and says Mm -hmm. if you don't do x y and z by the end of the week then you're fired and that's not a part of my job description and that's not like those are abusive natures where i'm threatening your livelihood and it's not in the nature of our agreed upon like think
3: about like using any kind of blackmail or like holding things above your head or like the word threatening and and putting you in a place where like you don't actually get to even if you did everything correctly you can't win right if you disagree with them you can't win if you agree with them you can't win yeah that feels very different yeah Um, they're
4: asking you to to basically to meet standards that are not in the contract of the like the natural original contract of the relationship yeah
3: You also used the word when we were talking earlier, like you can be injured in a relationship, Mm -hmm. uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you were a victim of abuse. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in the physical way, of course. So can you talk about like an emotional, spiritual injury? injury? Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah, I think you know people can like here's a really common one like ghosting someone oh my gosh that's (laughs) yes you know yeah like if you're friends or romantic interest if you were someone was talking to you and then all of a sudden they didn't they stopped they didn't show up they didn't answer your text that's not respectful way to treat human beings i agree with that i think if we're really respecting people as people then we could just Say what we need to say, mm-hmm. and be upfront, and say, "Hey, I'm not interested in continuing to talk to you." Mm-hmm. For that may be the end of the sentence. You might give some reasons. Who knows? Mm-hmm. It's disrespectful. It certainly hurts. Yeah, it injures my feelings, my sense of dignity as a human being that I wasn't honored or thought of to be treated in a more respectful mm-hmm. way. And you know, just piecing out is not necessarily an abuse that I'm oppressed by that mm-hmm. I now have like significant loss yeah. to to my needs being able to be met, to the resources that I need to have access to in my life. So it's a crappy way to behave. And it's also <laughs> not like think
3: about too, like in an, in an emotional, psychologically or spiritually abusive experience. And I, and where my head is going right now, I'm thinking about like a cult. My belief system is slowly being changed about myself, my abilities, my capabilities. And the same with that example with the boss of like, then I'm going to constantly be doing like, I can never do anything right. Like, I'm going to eventually think, well, this is my fault. He said he told me exactly what I need to do. And I, I didn't do it correctly. And like, because they're so convincing Mm -hmm. in what they're saying, I told you to do this, even though like, you're like, I didn't think that you said to do that, but I guess you did because you're so convincing of it and there's not in writing anywhere. But in an abusive relationship like that, when you're in it, when you actually really are in it and you're feeling the effects of it, you do change the way you think about yourself, Mm -hmm. your value, your worth. You mentioning like my resources and my ability to get my needs met. Well, like in an abusive relationship like that, I think it's very confusing for people who have never been in one of those. But a lot of times you stay in them because there's that part that's like, well, if I leave this, and I won't be able to get my needs met elsewhere. Think about spiritual. If you leave a spiritual group, mm-hmm. like there might be um, these beliefs that you're now holding on to that. If you do X, Y, Z, your higher power, will you'll be punished in some way because of that, mm-hmm. whether you're going to be paid, paying for that now or in your afterlife. And so that's very different mm-hmm. than somebody being a jerk or somebody displaying poor behavior towards you, or somebody again being, and mean feels like not a good enough word, but like, yeah, like somebody being like super mean, and hurting your feelings, and maybe having you question Mm -hmm. "I'm I'm never enough, or I'm not good enough for this person. But a lot of times that in dating circles has more to do with our just own belief system outside what already of these brought people. Into it. Yeah, what the baggage for lack of better word mm-hmm. that I brought into this versus what I picked up while I was in it. And we have a responsibility and I did do a whole episode on cults and I found it fascinating because I did a deep dive on brainwashing and whether it's a real thing and there's no way to actually measure it so yeah. it's always going to be a question. And over and over, I read like it's so hard to really actually hold on to the idea that we can be brainwashed because to be brainwashed, you have to have some desire to believe what it is that you're, in quotes, choosing to believe. And so if I come into a relationship with a really damaged sense of self that believes that to be um, good and to be worthy, I have to have the approval of Um, these kind of men or these kind of women or whatever. I'm holding on to that. I have a a desire to hold on to that belief for whatever reason.
4: Mm -hmm. Even I would call it an attachment. Yes. More than a desire. That's probably a better word. Totally.
3: Even our like icky weird beliefs. Mm -hmm. We talked about this too. This is secondary gain. There's something you get, even if it feels weird Mm -hmm. to admit a lot of times, when we're repeating behaviors like that, or we're holding on to these, or become attached to these beliefs about ourselves, we get something out of it, mm-hmm. even if it's like doesn't really make logical
4: sense. Yeah, a good one to always, I think that people can understand really easily, and that it's quick and easy is if I'm getting criti- like criticism and that kind of treatment from someone as a like natural part of the relationship. I kind of I'm drawn to someone who like you know doesn't answer me, mm-hmm. neglect that kind of thing, those kind of behaviors, mm-hmm. then if I was had a predisposition in my attachment development to that's how I, that's the only attention I got mm-hmm. was yeah. negative attention, then that's why I'm, I have an attachment to mm-hmm. that sort of role. That mm-hmm. sort of, if I had an experience of not getting, you know, of a lot of neglect, there I am. Like that's how I know how to relate to people. Mm -hmm. That's the role that I know how to play in Mm -hmm. relationships. So I'm going to be with someone likely who isn't very attentive and Mm -hmm. maybe ignores and forgets and doesn't show up and Mm -hmm. doesn't answer. Yeah. So,
3: which again, there's like a lot of nuance in this because there could be both going on too. Like I have this part of me that's attached to this belief system. And also maybe there are people that are abusive that also find themselves abusing people with those types of attachments. So I say that just so you guys know we're not even saying this is a this or this like you have to do a lot of your own introspection hopefully talking if you're experiencing any of this stuff with somebody who can help you like a professional therapist what have you but really what I want you guys to hear in all of this is that there is more language that might help you more accurately describe your experience and there's a point to that Mm -hmm. and so why does that matter?
0: And if you put in the code GABBY2024 on our website, you'll get an exclusive 20% off your first purchase.
1: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City.
5: We could go into the abandonment okay.
4: word and then kind of answer that on the back end of both. Okay, because I that. think it would make sense of all of it. Okay, so you're talking about you know calling it calling it different things, finding different language, and why some why we don't always want to call certain harmful behaviors abuse, and it. It was something we were talking about before, even in the victimization and the roles and the ways we get into things and what's the impact that it has on us. It made me think about the abandonment word, Mm -hmm. and this comes up. You and I, I think, both work with adults only. I don't think either of us work with children, so this is something we have probably more like of an encounter specifically to this side of the issue than if people were working with children. So, you know, we'll hear clients say something like. So and so abandoned me, or I'm afraid of being abandoned by my spouse or whoever I'm in a relationship with, my friend. And it's such a th- important thing to start to break down for that mm-hmm. person. And similarly to, I think, using words like abuse, abandonment, it really puts the person who's on the other side of the experience in a lower level position, it puts you in the victim position, it puts you in the stuck place, it puts you in the powerless, helpless place. If those words are accurate, there is a level of reality and impact on the person experiencing them that's really, really severe. If you have been abused by a a partner who was stronger than you, physically, and physically abused you or sexually assaulted you, you were helpless. They had mm-hmm. a power over that they used against you to harm you. If you were a child mm-hmm. and your dad and mom got a divorce and you saw your dad once a year, you were abandoned mm-hmm. by your father. He wasn't there to give you the care that a father or Role mm-hmm. you're supposed to have two parents that's mm-hmm. part of the deal. <laughs> uh, so you don't have one, yeah. you've a loss. You've been abandoned, and those needs that can only be met by one of the two caregivers mm-hmm. you were given is not going to be met. So that's like a really big deal. That's like a huge position to be put in of helplessness, of loss, of I can't get myself what I need. I can't. Yeah, that's keep myself key. safe. I that's
3: key. The helplessness, powerlessness, I can't, I don't have the ability to give myself what I need in this moment.
4: And if we put our, like, use words, like, I was abused, or I was abandoned, and we weren't actually completely at a loss for the ability to get what we needed, even amidst the injury, right, you can have an injury, yeah, amidst the ending of the relationship, then, and if I could have gotten myself some of the things I needed, if I still could you know, provide f- finances, food, shelter for myself, if I could still had friends or people that I could re- pick up the phone and call and utilize those yeah. things, that's really important for me to be connected with those things. Those are the things that will keep me afloat. And when we put ourselves under a category of abandonment, Then we start to feel that, you know, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of like, I don't I'm helpless. Mm -hmm. I can't care for myself because I was dependent upon this person to do that.
3: And it creates a story of powerlessness and helplessness when really you actually do have the ability to offer yourself or find it in some way what you need. That whole thing that you just said is so important. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I wanted to be expressed in this. Yeah. Because sometimes I do feel like, oh, I don't want to invalidate somebody's experience. But it's not so much about invalidate, invalidating your experience. It's actually really invalidating to you and your resources, your abilities, your relationships when you find yourself, because of these words, in a position mm-hmm. where you aren't actually in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's so important Well,
4: because our goal as therapists is empowerment, right? It's for people yeah. to believe in themselves, for people to find the, their internal yeah. and external resources to give themselves everything they need in their lives. Like that's what we want. Yeah. So when, when there's any kind of block, whether it's real or perceived to your finding that in your life, mm-hmm. then we want to try to move those things out of the way. And if it's a perception, then we're going to try to bust that apart with you. So you can be left yeah. in a relationship, For and sure. that can hurt so bad. That yeah. can be a,
3: such a big injury and loss to you, and yeah. it does not leave you helpless.
4: Yeah, it might feel that way, yeah. right? Absolutely. You can, yeah feelings are yeah <laughs> feelings, feelings are not are, facts. <laughs> they're they're an experience. Yeah. Like in the I think it's a Webster dictionary. Mm-hmm. There's I looked up the definition of abandon, and it says left without needed protection, care, or support. For example, an abandoned babies really says that. It literally says that. Oh, you. Yeah. So you need if you're in a state of needing care. So there are some adults who would fit into this category. If you were dependent, mm-hmm. you were part of a vulnerable po- population, you have a disability of some kind where you're dependent on people to care for you in some way. That can be mental, emotional, mm-hmm. or physical. You are a child. You're a dependent, so you absolutely need people to give you protection, care, mm-hmm. and support. Yeah. If I, Kids, I was disabled,
3: it, well, if, let's elderly, say, because I think this happens a lot in when you said, my, I have a fear of being abandoned, a lot of that comes up in romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. It can come up in other relationships as well, but that's the, the big one that I hear a lot. And I think it's one thing if, like, let's say I am diagnosed with some life-threatening disease, let's call it cancer for now, just mm-hmm. because that's an easy one um, to pull up in my memory. Not that I have a memory of being diagnosed with cancer, but you guys get what I'm saying. Anyway, so I get diagnosed with cancer and I am dependent on my spouse for mm-hmm. um, maybe finances or health insurance and maybe just like I need home care and he's very much the person that does that. And let's say he goes to work one day and he never comes back and I never hear from him again. Mm-hmm. That feels like abandonment, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. That feels different than I'm in a relationship with somebody and we're both fully functional human adults. To make this easy, let's say we even both have jobs that allow us to be financially independent from each other. But let's say we're together for 10 years and I love this person dearly. And one day he comes home and he's like, I am not in love with you anymore. I'm, I'm actually going to move out this week. That is going to hurt. I mean, I can't even I don't even want to think about that happening to right. me because that's going to hurt so bad mm-hmm. and I might feel like my world is falling apart and I very much might feel abandoned by this person because we created this life together and he's leaving me. Mm-hmm. I have not abandoned by him, he's leaving me. What I want to go back to is what Tara said is the importance of the difference is I might feel in that moment powerless and helpless and I do have the ability to get my needs met. Mm-hmm. But the more I believe that I'm powerless and helpless, the less likely I am to actually get my needs met. And so it creates that self-fulfilling prophecy. So I hope those examples mm. what I'm not doing is comparing the impact that those might have emotionally on somebody. Right. Because let's say if I had cancer and my husband who knows how I might feel emotionally. I might be like that asshole, like I know ne- whatever. And they're different. And so I don't want to compare the emotional impact and experience of those, but I do want to just separate the two so we can... uh, Those are two dramatic examples. So you guys can see kind of the difference and why the difference is important.
4: Yeah. I was thinking about the phrase feeling abandoned. I mean, it's interesting. We usually say that. We say, I felt abandoned. Rather than I was abandoned. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes we might when we're just talking Mm -hmm. kind of without thought, but it, it does actually... That might even be more accurate to say I feel abandoned. Uh, If you're in the situation where you are not completely Mm -hmm. unable to meet your own needs as an independent adult, Mm -hmm. then, you know, I mean, ultimately, I think what you would, what it sounds like to me is you feel incredible loss.
3: Yeah. And like, I think that we all, well, I can't say we all, but I know for me, I've had an experience where I, felt abandoned by a person I was in a relationship mm-hmm. with to the point where like I had to stay at my parents for a period of time. It was very hard for me to do a lot of daily life tasks. And the fact that I was able to actually, with the help of community, because yeah. I am I do have people and I right. even if I have to, even if I need to call upon other resources mm-hmm. because I've lost, I had a loss, this person that fulfilled these needs of mine, I might have to fill those in in different ways, but I have the ability to go get those filled rather than, like you said, a child whose dad abandoned them. Like, okay, well, that's their dad. Yeah. And yeah, let's not, there are people that might come can't in and eventually. You can't get another <laughs> biological father. Yeah. You can get father figure. You can get somebody that is very important to you right. and helps you in those ways, but you can't get another biological father. It's a loss. So yeah, that's a loss. Mm-hmm. So I think that like we've had those experiences where it's Felt Mm -hmm. like I will I mean I remember Googling. (laughs) It is so wild. I'm sure you have experiences like this, but like so wild when you look back when you were in such a like highly volatile emotional state. The things that as a therapist I was Googling. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to say them because I don't (laughs) feel like it's necessary. The things I was Googling about this relationship ending ending, I mean, I thought my world was never going to be the same.
4: Yeah.
3: And I'm okay. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And I think what what that word is pointing you towards is you're feeling lost. You're probably feeling afraid. Mm, so yeah. like, what am I afraid of, of right now? I might be afraid that I won't have this mm. kind of connection or love or support or whatever in my life again. That might be the fear. Like when I think about oh, abandonment, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. there's a core fear going on there that I'm like, ah, oh no, yeah abandon. Ah, right. So yeah. It gives you insight into, you might say, I lost this person, and now here's what I'm afraid of. Now here are the things mm-hmm. I'm grieving. Yeah, That is also, I think, other words to use. Like we were talking yeah. about finding other words for abandonment. Yeah. It's feeling lost. It's feeling fear. It's feeling lonely. Yeah, it's feeling and hurt. Going back, when we, we look at things
3: as feelings, because that's in that moment what mm-hmm. that is, well, our feelings can lead us to, like, needs right so if I'm afraid that I'm never going to connect with somebody in this way again or I'm afraid that I whatever nobody else will love me nobody else will love me so that will lead you to a need and that need might be different for you for me it was that like there are people in my life still that value me and see me as worthy and would want me in their life even when i mess up. Yeah. And so if we can actually look at things as they are and get down to the feeling part of them, that actually leads us to where we need to go. So then we actually don't become those people who literally feel like we're helpless and fulfilled that idea of i'm going to be in this spa- space forever. Sure. So, yeah. Okay, this is i i feel like there might be more things for you to say yeah. too, but i feel like what i I want to say over and over again, and I'm just going to say it one more time, is that I want you guys to hear that this conversation that we're having is one that's meant to more empower than um, invalidate your experience. And so you might be listening to this and you very much might have been abandoned. You very much might have been abused in whatever way you have been. And so I don't want you to say, because we're saying, I don't want you to hear that because we're saying, not everything we initially think is abuse and abandonment is that might still be your experience. We're just trying to help give more language so you guys can accurately look at and your own experience and get what you need. Anything else you want to say here? This was very helpful for me
4: personally. (laughs) I think it's great. I was thinking about like some of the ambiguous abandonment sort of places. Like because when we say like dependent and have the capability to get your own needs met, that can get a little, you can get, it can get hairy. I was thinking about like an adult, you know, who's maybe still financially dependent upon their parents Mm. and their parents all of a sudden cut them off and It gets real sticky, right? Because it's like, obviously, there's a way of going about that that I think is a healthy way of going about that. If your parents are in, you're like, I got to set boundaries. I'm not helping my child grow. They need to go be responsible and independent. And I've got to make changes. There's a way to go about that. I think that would be most appropriate. And in them doing that, I think, ultimately, hopefully, there's enough of of a bridge of them saying I want to move you out of dependence upon me into dependence upon yourself. Hopefully you would do it that way. Right. And you probably at whatever level it happened where they were like we're not doing this anymore. Let's say they were had some grace and they were like by the end of the month you you can't live here rent free anymore. Yeah. Okay. Then by the end of the month or whatever amount of days I have if as long as like my capabilities work Yeah <laughs> inside my body and my brain, like I'ma go get a job. It might not be the job you really want to go get. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm glad you said that's actually really helpful
3: for everybody because when you said that, my initial thought was a lot of times when there is somebody who's struggling with addiction of any kind, there is a cutoff. Mm-hmm. And very often I've mm-hmm. experienced with families and clients and friends where that cutoff was the thing that actually really helped them. And it may have been the hardest thing in the world to do. And there might have been a period of time where the person cut off was pissed off, felt abandoned, all of the things. And it is an attempt to not enable somebody anymore. Yeah, And so that's a very extreme example. But what you're talking about, too, is like, yeah, there might be times where we've noticed that we've enabled friends or family members or whoever it is and we have a responsibility to not just allow the same behavior to happen and then just be annoyed by it Mm -hmm. even though we're part of the process so there's a way to go about that hey let's actually look at a plan to help you get on your feet yeah i think what can be really when you're in it when you're the person who's then having to make changes whether it's i have to get that job that i don't want Mm -hmm. it's really easy to go to that place of like I'm a victim of their poor behavior and their poor choices. My mom kicked me out or my dad kicked me out or my whatever. When really it's about, I don't want to be responsible for my life because being an adult is hard. That's right. And sometimes we have to get jobs. We don't want to work and Mm -hmm. they're not fun and they feel like work. And Mm -hmm. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that we put out there that your job shouldn't feel like work when like work is work. And sometimes you like it and sometimes you don't. But I think that's a huge part of that process Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't, want to take responsibility and also with that because everything is nuanced when you're you've lived this life of parents doing everything for you and all of a sudden they're like we're gonna make a plan that's jolting that's right (laughs) like you kind of set
4: me up for this right and yeah there's responsibility on both ends. There are. There, there is. I, I think that that's real. That doesn't mean, yeah, just because it isn't abandonment and you don't have resources that you need to now tap into that you haven't yeah. been. It doesn't mean that they don't have some culpability in getting the all the build yeah. up to that point. 100%. So, you know, people are doing their best to hopefully when they want to correct it, they can do it mm-hmm. with some of that awareness. And if they can't, then you're life is up to you like yes getting your needs that is like if someone else is. this is a problem with being in a dependent situation if you have the resources not to do that in life it leaves you vulnerable Mm -hmm. it leaves you vulnerable to not having the things that you need when you need them if you aren't practiced at really getting your needs met Mm -hmm. through your own resources through Mm -hmm. your own ways and You know, there's all kinds of nuances about finances and marriages and all that stuff. We have courts, thankfully, to to like protect people with those real life issues. That's why I think we have Mm -hmm. a legal system around marriage and stuff like that is is because that's a real thing. And we don't want women who are vulnerable to be abandoned and not, you know, because they were raising their children and not making the money, all that stuff. So there are things that are that do acknowledge the dynamics of that and in as many ways as possible. If, if we are really engaging in our own autonomy and our own agency, then we're not so vulnerable to feeling like, oh, no, oh, no, I'm abandoned. Um, like if, if we're thinking about even my own self-esteem, if I'm doing mm-hmm. a lot of stuff to build my sense of value in my own little world with other friends, with other activities, with meditation, with therapy, then when I lose a relationship, like a partner – I'm probably not going to feel so abandoned because that part of my esteem and value has already been propped up with mm-hmm. lots of other resources that I'm using to fill that part of myself. Mm-hmm. So it won't feel like that drastic, yeah. it's all that sucked out of my life yeah. now.
3: Yeah, yeah good add into that and again hear that this is so nuanced and take this information and then tease through it like it doesn't yeah. have to I'm, I'm assuming we didn't lay out your exact experience because how could we do that sure. because every person is so different and so you can look at it with people that mm-hmm. feel safe to you whether that is a therapist or somebody in your life if you're trying to figure out how to identify your own experiences Thank you for having yeah, this conversation. Great. Stay tuned because we are going to have a similar conversation about some other mental health things that have been a little bit skewed in our current pop culture. And that will be, I think, in two weeks. So stay tuned. It might be a fun game if you guys could guess what they are. Actually, let's play that game. Awesome. <laughs> so if you have an idea of some other things or you have an experience of some other things that have been skewed, um, whether they're things that you actually – experience and you you see it a lot in pop culture now and it's become a little bit harmful or painful for you to see or if there are things that you just uh, see put over and over and you're like this can't be what that means it seems way too common or or too easily thrown out in the world let us know what you think our next couple things we're going to dive into are you can email that to me or you can dm me but the problem with dm is i don't always see it (laughs) but you could play that game you could roll those (laughs) dice (laughs) Uh, But if you want to email, it's Katherine at com, And on Instagram, it's at cat.defada and at Podcast. Also, if you just have questions or you want to lay out an experience and you kind of want to ask some questions about that experience, you can send that to my email. I will say it's not really possible for us to read an email about your experience and then be like, this was this and this was that, because there are so many details that you can't put in an email and would not be inappropriate to put an email. And we're also not in a relationship, which I can give you mental health care over a podcast. So you can give us an example or an experience, and you might want to hear our thoughts and, and what questions we might ask. Those that might be something we could do. I'm open to that. But I definitely want to know what you guys think the next little topics we're going to talk about are. So that will be in two weeks. So you have time to send those
4: in. Thank you, Tara. Thanks, Kat. Anything else you would like to say? Just be easy on yourself with understanding <laughs> yeah. these things. And also, everybody has permission to call things whatever they want to call them at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Whatever word feels like the one you need for where you are in your own process. Because I think, to, like we talked about before, yeah. some people need to get to the place where they call something abuse because they need to get honest about how harmful. Mm-hmm. And truly oppressive, yeah. something was in their life, and the fact that it really did mess their insides up and they Mm -hmm. need to give themselves permission to work on that so uh, that's the other side yeah and thanks for saying that because everybody's at a different
3: place in their journey Mm -hmm. because we all have such different experiences of literally everything Mm -hmm. so what I might not call something somebody might call and they might change that and I might change that later in my life as I've rediscovered certain things but I think just having the ability what we're doing again empower we're trying Mm -hmm. to give you more information Information, and we're trying to give you more options so that you can actually describe your experience with what it feels like to you rather than with the little options that you know. Going mm-hmm. back to that, when you're little, somebody's mean, but really what you mean later in life might be like they were selfish. So that's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to tell you what to do. We're trying to give you more information so you can make more informed mm-hmm. decisions on your own life. So thank you. And we'll be back in two weeks. Okay, thanks. Bye. bye.